Report. You're listening to The Rob Report on WDAY. I am here with Kelsey Warren. He is the CEO of Energy Transfer Partners. And Energy Transfer Partners is the company that has been trying to build the Dakota Access Pipeline here in North Dakota and across several other states uh, to serve, of course, our, uh, our, our Bakken, our, our North Dakota oil fields. Uh, many of us feel this is much needed um, energy infrastructure, but it's been controversial. There's been protests. There's been federal lawsuits. Uh, the president of the United States has stepped in. And uh, currently we're in a holding pattern. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers saying that they will not issue an easement uh, yet uh, for the pipeline to cross the Lake Oahe Reservoir. And uh, of course, uh, Mr. Warren, your company asking the uh, asking the courts to step in and, and, and stop what, what you're describing as a political obstruction uh, or political delays of, of this project. Uh, thanks for your time, first of all. And, and second, uh, tell us about this lawsuit. What are you hoping to accomplish? Well, uh, uh, yeah, thank you, Rob, for having me. Uh, first of all, we're, we're not suing for, for damages. I want to be clear on that, uh, even though there have been damages. But, but rather, we're, uh, I, for lack of a, of a legal term, I guess uh, specific performance would be uh, a good comparable. We're, we are asking the court, we've done everything. And, and this court has agreed that we've done everything we're supposed to do to, to receive our easement uh, to cross Lake Oahe, underneath, by the way, uh, 90 to 115 feet below it. We're, we're directly drilling it. Um, and, and yet we, they, they refuse to give us an easement that, that, that where we've complied with every law, rule, and reg. And so we're asking the court to step in and, uh, and do the right thing and, and allow us to begin drilling. If, if you wanted to tell us, one thing you're talking about is you're not suing for damages, but I know that there's been a lot of, of work delays, that there's been a lot of vandalism to, to equipment and issues like this. Do you have a dollar amount? I mean, can you quantify that or even just ballpark it for us to get an idea of what those impacts have? Because I'm not sure the public really understands what those impacts have been. Sure. Well, Rob, we can start with the the lost revenue part of it, and 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 it's that's pretty fundamental math. We we uh, will be moving about four hundred fifty thousand barrels a day of, of crude oil through the pipeline at at an say an average margin of let's say six dollars a barrel. Well, that that gives you an idea of the daily revenues that have, that have been lost. Uh, then when you look at the equipment time lost, uh, construction delays, because you know you you, you pay these people. Uh, that these are our skilled workers that, that go out to do a job and they, they work in an assembly line type fashion. That's the way you build pipelines. And, and then when you stop work, you, you don't just stop their paycheck. You continue to pay them. So, so there's been a lot of construction loss, which I can't exactly quantify what that is, but it's in the tens of millions of dollars. Well, that's a lot of money. The, the, when news came of your um, asking the courts to uh, clear this this political ob- obstruction of, of, of the easement. Uh, Chairman Archambault, uh, David Archambault of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe said, I quote, Dakota Access is so desperate to get this project in the ground that it is now suing the federal government on the novel theory that it doesn't need an easement to cross federal lands. They are wrong and the lawsuit will not succeed. What's your response to that? Uh, he's, he's describing you as, as desperate. <laughs> 
I, I would like to get our job complete and and uh, and move to the next project. I would. So if that's desperation, I, I, I guess I'm guilty. But um, but you know, he, he may be right. We we may not be successful in in the court. Uh, we, we may not at all, but but we we feel that we have that there we have no other alternatives available to us. We don't know who else to reach out to. Uh, I, is it a? Can you even imagine? This is the United States. This is not a third world country. Here here we have rules, regs, laws, and we follow them. We do everything exactly correct, and and our government steps in and says, ah, not so fast. We're we're going to hold back for a while. That can't happen here, but yet it is. We have a new president. Obviously, we just had a, a national election, and in January, we're going to have a new president. I think a lot of observers have, have sort of had the take that w- whatever the Obama administration decides now, in, in, in the next several weeks, um, that, that we have a Trump administration that makes this project almost, uh, will almost assuredly be approved under his administration. Do you agree with that, or are there obstacles even under a Trump administration? No, I, I absolutely agree with the first part of that. I, I believe uh, January 20th or shortly thereafter, we will have an easement. Do you think that the Obama administration, I mean, is, is, are there objections? Because what, what they have said is that the process wasn't necessarily uh, inclusive enough of, of tribal interests or tribal voices, and that process they want to invite you know that, that was certainly the most recent announcement from the department uh, the uh, army corps of engineers was that they wanted to you know have uh, more consultation with standing rock that has been their justification for these delays what's what's your response to that well i, I think it's uh, I, I just think that's very misleading uh Many, many opportunities were provided to the Standing Rock and, and other tribes to, to weigh in on, on the route of the pipeline and, and, and the way it was being constructed. Uh, and, and they didn't take, take uh, the Army Corps uh, engineers, they didn't take their invitation, didn't take our invitation. And now, late in the game, uh, they, they're, they're voicing their concerns, and that's fine. But, but I, I couldn't disagree more with the government saying that they, they, were, that they should have had more consultation from the Standing Rock. Uh, we're not on their property. We're not, that's the thing. Everybody wants to forget that. We are not on their property. This is private land that we're on. So consultation? I, I, I don't get it. Do you? They would argue that, that it, it is their land. What we hear often from them is that this was, this was treaty land. Um, and, and that because of that, that they have rights or they have, you know, obviously a, a, a deep connection. And I think few would dispute that, that they do have a, a deep historical connection uh, to that land. But when you hear them invoke sort of the, the, the treaties, what's your response to that? Well, I, you know, Robin, I'm, I, I'm not uh, I'm not schooled in this area, and, and uh, so, but that uh, certainly, I don't believe it's appropriate for a uh, an infrastructure provider like Energy Transfer is to to be to be disputing uh, what may or may not happen in, the, in treaty negotiations 150 years ago. I don't think that that's appropriate. And and, and let me add this: there are there's two existing pipelines in this same right of way that we're building that were built in 1982. There, there's a high voltage power line that's in the same right of way that were that was built many years ago. Uh, I mean, it's just it ju- this just seems very odd. Um, 
but again, with the, any any conversations that the, that the Native Americans would like to have with the government about treaties, uh, I, I, I shoot, I, I think that's great, but but it, it should not apply here. Do you have any um, one, one another rumor that we've heard often is that originally the pipeline. Uh, that, that your company tried to negotiate an easement with Standing Rock and that some, somewhere it broke down or, or what, what people have told, you know, again, this, these are rumors, but was there ever a point at which the company considered paying Standing Rock uh, a settlement or an easement or, or negotiating some sort of a deal with them on, on this pipeline? Not that I'm aware of, Rob, and I would almost certainly say no. Uh, we, when, whenever we, we look at the routes of, of these projects, we, we, we explore the, the impact to the environment. We ex- explore the impact to, to uh, population density. We, we explore minim, minimal crossing of, of bodies of water. Uh, and this is classic. Uh, we, we tried to avoid any uh, Native American property. So any tribal lands, we avoided them. And that's, that's the reason that we're, we're crossing the lake where we're crossing. This is private land, and it's, it's, near, it's near the Standing Rock Reservation, but, but, it's, but it's not on their reservation. And that's, that's by design. We, we did not want to, to cross the reservation. You did cross the Fort Berthold Reservation, and as I, when I read the, the meeting minutes uh, that the tribe passed, uh, they actually they they approved um, unanimously. I think there were two abstentions. Uh, approved the pipeline crossing their land. Um, I mean, what, what would you say? I mean, I, I think a lot of people the, the way this has been portrayed in in the national media in a lot of ways it's sort of been a, a Native American uprising against this pipeline. But you did in fact negotiate a deal with uh, what, what the, the tribal government on on one of North Dakota's reservations. How would you compare the two situations? Well, sometimes when, sometimes when you route a pipeline and, and, you, and you look at going around um, a concerned, uh, an area of concern, uh, it becomes just very, very difficult to do because the land mass may just be too vast. Uh, so we, we have crossed, <clears throat> and shoot, we have 75,000 miles of pipeline, and we, we have crossed many uh, tribal lands uh, over the years, and, and we'll continue to do so over time, but they will all be negotiated transactions uh, where we have the absolute legal right to do that. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, in this case, we did not. Uh, <clears throat> we, it, it was, we were able to find a, a place to cross the, the lake, uh, excuse me, uh, w- without getting on tribal lands of, of Standing Rock, so that's the route we chose. I had, I had read in the media recently, and certainly this has been the, the the protests over the over the pipeline have been a a real burden. I, I I think to the state of North Dakota, particularly people living in in South Central North Dakota, in B- the Bismarck, Mandan, Morton County, Sioux County, uh, Burley County communities, uh, it's it's been a real hardship for them, and certainly it's been a financial hardship to the state where we've got you know, millions of dollars uh, that, that the state has expended in, in law enforcement resources with, with really no end in sight at this point. I had, I had read that, that, that your company may be taught in, in some sort of negotiations with the state to, to maybe reimburse the state for part of those costs or help defray them. Do you have any details about that you could share? Well, and I'll tell you, I think what you may be responding to is I was asking in an interview if, if we would consider reimbursing the state for its cost to, to provide law enforcement support for us, and I answered yes. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. And uh, and but we, I don't even 
I don't even know if the state can do that. I don't know if there are laws allow them to do that, but, but let, let me tell you, we feel horrible for the residents of North Dakota, the, those that have been impacted, and it's, it, there's a lot, a lot of them that have. They, that, that's a wonderful state, good people, hardworking people, most, <laughs> the vast majority of them law-abiding, um, and th- this, is, this is sad, what, what has occurred and what is occurring. As you know, you're familiar with this. this is, these are not peaceful protests. Uh, I'm sure there's peaceful protesters that are there, but the, the, these are not peaceful protests. Uh, we we feel bad for the, for the residents of North Dakota and, and look forward to an orderly completion of our project where we can uh, begin flowing oil from the Bakken, Bakken oil field down to the refineries in Texas. And let me add this, Rob, you didn't ask this, but, but how about this? There's over 225 oil wells producing under Native Americans' lands in, in North Dakota. 225 wells. Uh, they, they make approximately 75 million barrels of oil. They then are, are railed uh, by easements granted from tribal lands uh, to rail the crude to wherever the ultimate destiny is. This pipeline's taking the place of rail. Uh, but I find that to be really interesting. A lot of money is being is being made by Native Americans in North Dakota, and and yet they're demonizing the movement of crude. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think that's definitely been a point of, of a little bit hard to understand. Uh, last question: If there was an aspect of this debate over the Dakota Access Pipeline, which again has made national news, international news, it's it's really become. In, in much the same way that the Keystone XL pipeline became a, a, a cause uh, for a certain political faction here in the United States, if there was an aspect of this debate that, that you felt wasn't getting out there, or maybe the public wasn't fully understanding, what, what would that be? Um, you, you know, I would say, number one, I would say that all of the crew that this being questioned and, and uh, where the protests are, are demanding the stopping of, of moving crude through our pipeline, all of this crude is moving today, every single barrel. It's being transported by rail. It's all crossing the Missouri River, by the way, or almost all of it. Uh, and it's done by rail cars over rail trestles that were built in the 1900s. Uh, uh, the pipeline is extremely safe. We, we, we're, we're not open ditching any part of this crossing of this body of water. It's all being drilled, like I said, about 90 to 115 feet below the surface of, of the lake. Uh, it's very safe. We've got block valves on each side of the body of water in question. That, that are automated, and if uh, uh, there's ever a sensing of a leak, which is easy to, to sense, by the way, in a control room, then we close the valves. We minimize the, the spillage that could occur. However, the chances of a spillage into the, any body of water is incredibly remote, incredibly remote. Uh, I, I mean, shoot, uh, the airplanes can crash. People still fly them, and they do. Why? Because it's incredibly remote that they would crash. So, so you know, I think the main thing is people just don't understand that, that this is not, we're not threatening water supply. The, the, by the way, the water intake take for the Standing Rock Sioux, they're, they're, we're moving this, and before our pipeline was ever even announced, by the way, down 50, 70 miles south of where we cross. There's no contamination of water 70 miles south of where we cross, even in the very, very unlikely event that we were to have a leak. So just a lot of bad information out there. All right. Well, Mr. Warren, thank you for your time. Certainly appreciate it. Thank you, Ron. That's uh, Kelsey Warren, CEO of Energy Transfer Partners. We'll have more straight ahead. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Rob reports 701-293-9000, Just finished up an interview with Energy Transfer Partner CEO Kelsey Warren. We, uh, we pre-recorded that interview actually before the show, so that just finished up. And uh, right now i got a call from Mike, so uh, let's see what Mike's got on his mind. What's up, Mike? Hi. I think the uh, radicalized left-wing environmental groups are the ones that are driving us. They've taken advantage of the Indians, and it's a typical Obama administration. Don't abide by the law. Do what you want to do. And that's why he, him and the whole works have been voted out, because of this. this is the same crap. And we've been, been stuffed on our throat for the last eight years. Well, I, th- I, I think there's an element of that for sure. I, you know, I, I think if, if you listen to Chairman Archambault uh, down at Standing Rock, sometimes he'll say, oh, you know, we just want the pipeline rerouted. But then you watch the protesters, and they're they're chanting, keep it in the soil. Uh, Chairman Archambault himself is talking about the black snake and how evil oil is. You're getting a lot of mixed messages, and I, I think you're right. I, I think that's part of sort of this, this national radicalized environmental movement having sort of taken over Standing Rock's fight against, against the pipeline. And also, in terms of President Obama, I, I think what he's doing is he's basically letting North Dakota burn. I mean, they're holding back federal resources. They're holding back federal law enforcement. They're letting North Dakota, you know, face this on its own, uh, even to the point that, I mean, even setting aside the, the, the fight over the pipeline itself, just in an attempt to try to keep law and order so that people living in that area can go on living their lives in a normal fashion. President Obama has been zero help. Um, and I, I don't know what other motivation there could be in that other than politics. Thanks for the call, Mike. Uh, quick segment. The interview went a little long, but we'll be right back. Senator Hoven joins me next. Don't go away. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, Rob Port. You're listening to the Rob Report on WDAY 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. We have on the line uh, Senator John Hoven. And uh, Senator Hoven, I don't think I've, t- I've spoken with you since the uh, since the election. Um, quite a day. Uh, it, it, it sure seems like a, like a turnaround in, in the nation's uh, outlook and the nation's mood. I, I know you were somebody who... Uh, and I get you can correct me if I'm wrong, but was maybe a little hesitant uh, about Donald Trump. But he's now our president. What are your thoughts now? Well, along I said I'd support our nominee, and he's our nominee. And now that he's elected, uh, I'm hoping that he can help bring the kind of change that our country needs to get back on track. What what sort of things? I mean, what what sort of priorities are you hoping to see out of a Donald Trump? Well, I put it in terms of. Uh, Limited government that empowers people. We need to focus on fundamentals like um, reducing the regulatory burden, uh, reforming the tax code to make it simpler and fairer, to make it pro-growth, get the economy growing, uh, more jobs, and then at the same time combine that with savings and reforms to reduce the debt and deficit, get our financial house in order, balance the budget, uh, get this country back to a strong financial underpinning, now, that's something I work to do as governor for the state of North Dakota. Very important. Deal from a position of financial strength. Uh, and then a real focus also on law enforcement, support for law enforcement, and funding for our military so that Americans feel safer at home and abroad. Um, and that's got to be a priority. We're, we're a, a country of the rule of law, and, and people need to feel 
safe. That's a you know fundamental responsibility of government. So I, I think those are the priorities right up front. And then, of course, there's North Dakota issues that I'll be working on, everything from continuing to build our energy future to uh, another farm bill, um, flood protection for the Red River Valley, for the Minot region. Um, you know, and then I think the other thing I've talked about that I think is really important is, you know, we're a powerhouse in agriculture, we're a powerhouse in energy, but we really, you know, kind of this third wave of job creation I'm really focused on, particularly with our new governor coming in, uh, Doug Burgum, is really driving technology, everything from the unmanned aircraft to just tech entrepreneurship. And I think we've got a great future there by, again, having the best business climate now competing other states. 701-293-9000 if you want to join the program, 888-970-9329. You mentioned law enforcement here in North Dakota, I'm, as I'm certain you're aware, uh, would, you know, the, the Dakota Access protests have become, uh, really so, sort of a daily interruption, uh, particularly in the lives of people living in Burley County, Morton County, Sioux County, that, that part of the Bismarck Mandan area, that part of our state. Um, it's, it's, it's really become frustrating. Has there been any movement in terms of, and, and we certainly heard the Obama administration, you know, President Obama himself say not so long ago he wanted to let this play out for a few more weeks. We've now had the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers come out and say that they have decided, uh, not to make a decision on, on issuing an easement to cross Lake Oahe and they want to, uh, have more input from, from the Standing Rock tribe. But, but just in terms, I mean, setting aside the pipeline for a moment, has there been any, any movement at all at getting some, some federal help or some federal resources in the state to help keep law and order? Well, first off, um, you know, as you described in your in your question, we need to get this resolved. The court needs to issue the easement, and the Obama administration's holding it up. And so the company now has applied for injunctive relief, relief, and and we continue to try to get it resolved, get the easement issued, get this thing completed. A pipeline can be built safely and well, and and protect not just the tribe but everybody downstream. Uh, we obviously need energy infrastructure in this country to move energy as safely as possible. And you got to remember, this is being built you know, right away where you've already got a gas pipeline and a transmission line. So really, you're talking about a quarter that's moving both renewable and traditional energy safely to market. So we're going to continue to push to get this resolved. Um, it's been a real strain on the farmers and the ranchers that live in the area. Uh, and as you said, uh, these protests have not only in the area, but now up in the Bismarck-Mandan area, and they're disruptive. We all recognize the right to protest peacefully, but, you know, we have a lot of people from out of state who have not been peaceful, who have broken the law, and, and you know, we just can't have that. We're a country of, of laws. We're a state of law and order. And um, so, yes, I'm continuing to do everything I can to help our law enforcement, both in terms of getting uh, federal resources in to help. We don't have enough. We're going to continue to push to get more, no question, uh, and then also uh, financial assistance as well. And I and I am working on that through the appropriations process. We have a caller, Cameron, with a question. Go ahead, Cameron. Good afternoon, Senator Hoven. In, in Hi, light Cameron. of the uh, last year's federal deficit of one point two trillion dollars, and I believe it'll be the fourth year in a row that we've exceeded trillion dollar federal deficits. Um, Last year's deficit was about $500 billion. Well, that's the budget deficit. I'm talking about the federal deficit, which is the difference in debt from October 1st of fiscal year uh, 2016 
backtracking to October 1st of fiscal year 2015. The information is available on USTreasury.gov. Um, it, and it's four years of $1 trillion plus federal deficits, which includes the budget and off-budget items. But regardless, that's one of the reasons that the national debt is skyrocketing at unsustainable levels. There, we're, we're running out of time, Cameron. What, what was your question for the senator? Well, my question was, what, what, what is this proposal of presented ideas, or what could he work through being as an appropriations to start addressing the the tremendous annual rise now in the federal deficit? Thank you. Thanks. Senator, go ahead. Yeah. Right on, right on, Cameron. Uh, when I, the uh, annual budget uh, deficit before I started was about... Uh, 1.5 trillion. If you go back and look at 2009, we, we've whittled that down now to a deficit of about um, uh, half a billion. Still, way too much. But we've actually reduced discretionary spending by about 400 billion dollars. I'm, I'm on the appropriations. We've actually reduced uh, the one third of the budget that's appropriated from 1.5 trillion annually down to about 1.1, a uh, little over 1.1 trillion annually but we've got to find more savings and reforms and get economic growth like i talked about at the outset here combine those two so that we go from a deficit situation to balancing the budget and reduce the long-term debt right on it is a priority got another caller don and don we don't have much time so be quick real quick uh tom davies wrote an article uh talking about government and how everybody supports veterans rights but Invariably, we put legislation in Congress and then attach some rider to it that makes it impossible to to support. Can you, as as a sitting senator, go back, make a pledge today that when bills are put forward, that you will work to make sure they're not amended so that we can have an up down vote for for veterans and and pretty much all the other legislation too. I mean, Washington seems to to really just pile the crap on and we get nothing through because well, I couldn't vote for this part or that part. If we just had clean bills and gave them an up and down vote, go ahead, Senator. Well, look, yeah, look, I, um, I have a strong, I have a strong record of supporting veterans. That's going to continue. We've got an initiative now, the Veterans Care uh, Initiative that I've started in North Dakota. That I think is going to be a national model. I've got legislation now that will help veterans and nursing homes get VA reimbursement when they take veterans. So I'm going to continue to work hard for veterans. The reality is, bills will get amended as part of the process, but your point is right that we need to get the work done and we need to make sure that the legislation that we move uh, addresses veterans' issues, whether it's health care, long-term care, or other issues. Senator, thanks for your time. All right, Rob, take care. That's Senator John Hoven. More to come. Rob Report, 701 Rob Report. Hey, Jay Thomas Show coming up next. Stay tuned for that. You can reach me, 701-293-9000, Hey, I begin a lot of, I actually, I finished writing my uh, my Sunday newspaper column today, and it's it's going to be a, a lot about a lot of the blowback I've been getting about the, the uh, I was critical of the campuses offering 
therapy to students upset about Donald Trump. And, and I think a lot of people took that as uh, me being against people seeking out mental health treatment. And that's that's not the case. Uh, I, I If you need help, get help. Um, you know, I've I've been to therapy before in the past. It's not a big deal. There's no stigma to it. There's nothing wrong with getting help if you need help. Um, the the issue is the way the university sort of used it to, to, to cast it, and not just North Dakota State University, but many universities across the land, across America, you know, they treated the outcome of the election as though it was a trauma- traumatic thing. And listen, I know it was a big surprise that Donald Trump won, but there was there seems to have been little consideration given to the people who might have supported Trump, to the people who might have been okay with the outcome. Because here's the problem, is, is if you're treating... All of the people who were upset at the election outcome as though they were victims, then you're essentially saying that the people who supported that election outcome who may have voted for Donald Trump are like somehow unsafe. And that's not a good situation either. And and it goes hand in hand with a lot of what we've seen on college campuses across the country where certain political viewpoints simply aren't welcome. So I, I wrote about that in my Sunday call. You'll have to stay tuned for that. And, uh, you know, I think tomorrow we're going to talk about this fake news thing. I think people are going a little overboard with this. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Remember, you can catch me Monday through Friday right here on WDAY, 1 to 2 p.m. Or 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.